0: This morning, if you've brought your Bible with you, I invite you to open up your text this morning to John chapter 11. Um, If you brought your uh, Bible or your electronic Bible, uh, otherwise the words are going to be on the screen as well as we enter into the time of the service where we hear from God's Word. I got feedback last week that someone appreciated starting the the sermon with a song, so um, I had to think on this one, but tell me if you know this one. Well, the cat came back the very next day. The cat came back. They thought it was a gun, but the cat came back. Uh, everyone? Yeah? Okay, great. Some, some Raffy fans, perhaps, this morning. How many lives does a cat have? Nine, right? Lazarus does not have nine lives. But he seems to have more than one. A little bit like Snow White. That's where we are this morning. We are in John chapter 11. It's a little bit longer a, a passage this morning, so I ask that you, I, well, I invite you to take out your camera. And what I mean by that is that there are several scenes that are happening here, and so stand behind the camera with me as these different scenes are transpiring. Uh, the beautiful thing about the, the gospel is that it's alive and uh, it, it is creative this way. It allows our imagination um, to, to capture some of these details. Um, I wonder if you'll also give me permission to read it in the NIRV, which is the New International Reader's Version. It's just a little bit more simple, but it might be a little bit more complex for you to follow along, so I apologize ahead of time. I'm reading from John chapter 11. Verses 1 through 44. Again, if you find it easier, close your eyes to imagine. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. Mary would later pour perfume on the Lord. She would also wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus that was sick. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, they told him, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. God's son will receive glory because of it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So after he heard Lazarus was was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short time ago, the Jews there tried to kill you with stones. Are you sure you want to go back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks during the day won't trip or fall. They can see because of the world's light. But when they walk at night, they trip and fall. They have no light. Then he said, after... And after he said this, Jesus went on speaking to them. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, he said, but I am going there, and I'm going to wake him up. (laughs) The disciples replied, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will get better. Rest is best. Jesus had been speaking about the death of Lazarus, but his disciples thought he was talking about natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead for your benefit, I am glad I was not there. Now you will believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, who they also called Didymus, spoke to the rest of the disciples, let us go also, he said, then we can also die with Jesus. (laughs) When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come come to Mary and Martha. They had come to comfort them because their brother was dead. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. "'Lord,' Martha said to Jesus, "'I wish you had been here, then my brother would not have died. "'But I know that even now God will give you anything you ask for.'" Jesus said to her, "'Your brother will rise again.'" Mary answered, "'I I know he will rise again.'" This will happen when people arise from the dead on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even if they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. I believe that you are the one who is supposed to come into the world. After she said this, she went back home. She called her sister Mary to one side and talk, to talk to her. The teacher is here, she said. He's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet entered the village. He was still at the place where Martha had met him. Some Jews had been comforting Mary in the house. They noticed how quickly she got up and went out, so they followed her, and they thought that she was going maybe to the tomb to mourn there. Mary reached the place where Jesus was, and when she saw him, she fell at his feet. She said, Lord, I wish you had been here. Then my brother would not be dead. Jesus saw her crying. He saw that the Jews who had come along with her were crying also. His spirit became very sad and he was troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him. But some of them said, he opened the eyes of the blind man. Couldn't he have kept this man from dying? (laughs) Once more, Jesus felt very sad. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone in front of the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by the time, by this time, there's a bad smell. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Then Jesus says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see God's glory? So they, took the way, so they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up. and He said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me, but I, I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. I said it so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus called in a loud voice. He said, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen. A cloth was around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the clothes he was buried in and let him go. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, Lazarus is dead. It's there, black and white, plain as day. There's no getting around it. There's no softened edges on the sides of this coffin, unfortunately. And it's, it's obviously a big loss, not only to the family, to the community, the people around who are, even with Mary, saying, man, he can save a blind man his sight, but he couldn't save this guy. This was our guy. You see, Lazarus already before here had already been threatened several times with with his life being taken from people like the Pharisees, people in power. It wasn't because Lazarus himself was powerful or magical or something like this. It's because of who he hung around with. He stayed friends with Jesus. And apparently was so loved by Jesus. This whole crowd, they refer to him, well, he's the one that Jesus loves. They were friends. And so there's a few things that come to our minds and just maybe maybe we have a few questions about. Why did Jesus wait? I mean, his friend was dead. He could see, he could hear, he knew the message that people were mourning and people were in pain. Why did he wait? I don't know that I've got a great answer for that. Maybe your question is, what kind of a God would let his best friend die? Maybe you've asked that question of God yourself. I think the only way that I can square it away to make any sense of this story is to recognize it's being told by the kind of God who would also die. You see, this is what is happening when people started spending their time with Jesus. It wasn't because Jesus' name was on lawn signs or anything like this. It wasn't because Jesus had a huge mega church or anything like this that people were getting upset with him. People were upset with him because Jesus was claiming that he was God and that he could forgive people their sin. He had the power over death. People were plotting against him. No, there was no mirror, mirror on the wall telling who might the fairest of them all be, but jealousy, jealousy played a part. Jesus and the Pharisees, Jesus and the leaders, Jesus, you know what, Jesus probably liked hanging out with the kids, watching Disney, he preferred the simple things to teach the complex. In a way, fairy tales do this for us. That's why we like them. I'll give you a little bit of a rundown here. There's different genres in literature. In you know, in, we, we know what comedy is. A comedy is a situation where there's something that starts out bad and ends up good good, that's comedy in its simplest and purest of forms, okay? Tragedy is something where everything seems fine, and then by the end, everything falls apart. Think about Hamlet, and the, um, it's only the, the one king who's left at the end who's kind of around, you know, counting the bodies, you know, that's a tragedy. And then there's something called fairy tale. Now, a fairy tale is like comedy where there's something bad and it turns to something good. But in fairy tale, what happens is there's an action by an outside supernatural source. It's a fairy godmother, if you will. It's the genie in a bottle, if you will. And it moves from bad to good. It's like a comedy but because of some outside, unexplained sometimes, and supernatural source. Um, Any of you who are finishing up your exams, um, use this in a paragraph somewhere in your English Lit paper and you'll be fine. This is a little bit where we lose people. We don't like to think about uh, God in fairy tales. I'm thankful for a couple of people who have helped me see this. Um, Tolkien being one who uh, spoke about the power of fairy tale. Um, Fred Beekner, who um, I think uh, Pastor Tony uh, when he preached a couple of weeks ago spoke about Fred Beekner. Um, these people are, you know, they really do help us with understanding this. But in the world with, in which uh, we live we encounter a different problem. See, the problem in the world in which we live is, you see, God is dead. God is already in the tomb, you see. Ever since, basically, uh, Nietzsche's Thus Spake Zarathustra, where a man running into town says, God is dead and we have killed him. When you look around this world today and the outworkings of every philosophy that's taken hold in the last 150 years since, you kind of get a feeling that maybe that lantern is growing dim. It seems to be dead and gone, but see, that's the beauty of fairy tale, that every once in a while it takes something that is seemingly dead and gone and yet there's still life in the story of snow white we have the story of someone whose whose passing is softened to like a sleep she's but sleeping where have i heard that before huh in our text he's merely sleeping you see snow white seems completely innocent as a character doesn't she always you know, with that, uh, that Disney voice, that operatic uh, soprano. She seems, you know, completely innocent, naive, except for breaking and entering for some reason. That, that, sh- that seems to, she gets a free pass. Her singing is all about love and care, but the reality is that she should be dead. Only in a fairy tale can a poisoned body be rejuvenated by true love. God is not a prince charming, we will discover. Because as you continue to read in the book of John, the story takes a little bit different a turn, where God himself says, I will pay that price and I will die. See, Nietzsche had it wrong but just in a different way. God faces death. He faces the seething dragon, and he faces death and dies to it so that we don't have to. Yes, Lazarus is dead by all accounts. Mary says it. Martha says it. The crowd says it. The messenger says it. The disciples say it, but Jesus goes. Why? No one said, come quickly. <laughs> maybe, that's, <laughs> maybe that's our fault for not praying right. <laughs> no one says, hurry up, Jesus. But I'm reminded of a song, again, whose title says, he's been in time, on time, every time for me. What's happening is that Jesus is paving the way for what would be his passion, what would be his suffering, and what would be his death. And he knew that there was no getting around it. There was no voice. Ah, death. softened to a sleep. Just so the kids don't get upset, but... Then Disney, seven years later, releases Bambi. Gets Bambi's mother, that's a whole other story, but Death is brought into the story as the great fear that she in her innocence is tricked by the evil one to bite into this apple that leads to her demise. Sounds like a familiar story, doesn't it? the great witch that is in this world, the one that uses wiles and lies to try to deceive. Innocence becomes ruined. Lives become stolen and love is crushed. This, this is a picture that, that we're being given of sin. This is not the way that God had designed this world to be. And we want to get up in arms about the innocence that's been ruined and longing for a time when it used to not be this way. But we aren't as innocent as Snow White. We aren't shining pictures of innocence. We don't have the faith of a Martha who says, "'I know that this sickness will not end in death.' We are not the Mary who sobs quietly at Jesus' feet. We all know that we are not Snow White. It's Isaiah that says that all of our good deeds are like filthy rags. Paul says it this way in Romans 5, that we are like enemies to God because it is our sin that so separates us from him. The very sin that in the midst of a silent prayer we're able to lift up the very sin that is covered with his death. Martha knows that, that death is right, that death is coming and that sin is the cause. She's seen it all before. She knows the world is a fallen place. And she knows the story of Snow White, I mean, of Eve the story of a woman with a unique connection with nature and creation who was spoiled at the taste of one apple. She knows that her brother would die, and she just hoped for some relief. And that's where we all find ourselves. But see, thankfully, in, in this story, we know that both Lazarus and Snow White, they don't die. There's a scene in Snow White, though, where, uh, where the hunter is supposed to bring back her heart to the queen. We have a very similar story, actually, in the Old Testament, sometimes referred to as the Akedah, with Abram and Isaac. It's the binding of, of Isaac. It's the temptation to kill something of absolute innocence. Another story of death and life. Paul says... Friends, it is not Jesus who is dead. Nietzsche has it wrong. It is not God who is dead. It is death who is dead. Verse 25 and 26. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And perhaps the most poignant part, the most important part for those people who are here wondering what God has in store for them is when Jesus turns and says, do you believe this? Well, do you? See, her confession is the same thing as what God wants of of each of us as well. To come to know that God is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who, as the son of God, who has come into the world, the promised one, who has the power to save us. He's come to this world and he's willing to save us. And so, Martha, knowing how to pray, she declares her faith, as we all do, perhaps in that silence this morning, that we speak and we confess to God that death and sin is scary especially in a world of people trying to get ahead. Because this whole Lazarus episode, it launches into the religious leaders of the time trying to kill Jesus. And he's provided a comfort and a peace for all those who know him, whom he loves. And he's died for us. And he's risen so that we may also. I once heard someone say, what would you threaten Lazarus with after he had been raised from the dead? I'm gonna kill you. (laughs) Been there, done that. It's funny, you would think that in these stories, these fairy tales, well, what happens is Well, Lazarus comes back to life and so it's, I suppose it's to be expected in a way that Snow White can't remain dead forever either. That doesn't give us our happily ever after. So, Disney doesn't let that happen. And indeed, she is rescued and life happens anew. There's something I want you to notice in the story of Lazarus, about the people standing around him. I'm not talking about those who are dealing with what the King James Version um, refers to, that when they open it up, Lazarus stinketh, um, is the the translation. It's wonderful. Uh, I'm not talking about what they smelled. I'm talking about what they heard and what they did in response Jesus called out in a loud voice. Out comes Lazarus, hobbling, no doubt, covered in grave clothes. And what is the command that is given to the people around him? Take off those grave clothes. It is the role of the church to remind those who have found new life in Christ that they can be stripped of those old, dead linens and find new life in him. It is the role of the church. Listening now, elders and deacons, as some of you are about to be selected for these specific roles, it is the role of the church to remove the grave clothes from the formerly dead because the work of God has gone before us. The work of Christ is finished because death is dead. I love it from this one rather famous poem. John Donne has my heart. He, uh, as a pastor in the 17th century, at a time when the church was uh, experiencing the great fire of london the bubonic plague the tail end of the renaissance you have the you know 30 or 40 years after the the, the life and death of william shakespeare and in the midst of of all of this this pastor of a church certainly for Someone's funeral, no doubt. He penned these 16 lines. Death be not proud, though some have called you mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkst thou dost overthrow, overthrow, die not, poor death. Nor yet canst thou kill me, from rest and sleep, which but thy pictures be, much pleasure. Then from thee much more must flow. And soonst our best men with thee do go, rest of their bones and their souls delivery. Death thou art slave to fate, chance, Kings and desperate men, and doth with poison war and sickness dwell. And poppies or charms can make me sleep as well, if not better than thy stroke. Why swellest thou then? One short sleep past, we wake eternally. And death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. And that is why the gospel is better than Disney. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've called us here and you've gathered your people. from all sorts of different backgrounds and families, Lord, and and even as we are in a moment to be taking um, just a a drawing of lots for people's names here as well, Lord, we um, want to offer up this time. Just have your way, dear Lord, in uh, the leadership of this church as we draw these names that we may be off to work and doing the work that the church is called to do to invite those people who are dead or dying to see the life that is found in you. Or Lord, that once they see it, to help them remove the grave clothes so that they may live in that new life. So Lord, as we draw these names for office bearers here and uh, we enter in a time of, of prayer as well, we thank you for the uh, opportunity to, to lead your church. We, Pray a blessing upon those who are outgoing as office bearers as well. We thank you for those willing to let their name stand as well, Lord. And we just pray for a rich blessing upon them and upon their families as well. Be with us now, Lord, we pray. Continue to build upon us and upon our lives your kingdom as you see fit. In Christ's name, amen.